Look at my butt. Show number 259 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Hello, people. <laughs> One of us had to start. And other beings. <laughs> We have so much to talk about. This is going to be a very heavily Discovery-focused show because, boy, there's a lot to talk about with Discovery. Well, that's where there's a lot happening right now. There so. is. It's all happening now. So It's I all happening. I believe you had something that you wanted to start with. Yes, but it's not about Discovery. Oh, it's just it I isn't. want to point out that today mm. is the 40th anniversary of something very, very important. Do you know what it is? No, what is it? The first day of the first Star Trek convention. Oh, <gasps> really? Oh. Yep. And it... I'm going to post an article to our Facebook page. Oh. So, because um, I only, I was explaining to, uh, to Elena that, you know, they had to dilate my eyes today, so I couldn't read whole <laughs> articles. But it appears to be, um, reminiscences from people who were there. Mm. And I was thinking, you know what? Some of those people are probably 80. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. This is like a high holy day or something. I had Well, no yeah, and fantastic. I was so stunned that, you know, I mean, yeah, Martin Luther King, we think he's wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we, you know, we observe his day, but this is also a special day for us Trek folk. Yeah. So, I just wanted to mention that right up front. Oh, well, thank you, because I really did not have an idea. And, of course, there is a connection between Martin Luther King and Star Trek, which is that he convinced That's Michelle right. Nichols to stay on Star Trek, which was incredibly important and the right, right thing he, to do. <laughs> he recognized how important her appearance there mm -hmm. As uh, as Whoopi Goldberg put it, there's a black lady mm -hmm. on TV mm -hmm. and she ain't no maid, That's you right, know. That right. was... A huge deal. It was. So um, I think she probably would not have taken that career advice from any other person in the world. <laughs> right, right. Oh, awesome. So. Well, thank you. That's terrific. I love it. I love it. Yep. Um, okay. So we want to first talk a little bit about the last short trek, which was called The Escape Artist, and it focused on Harry Mudd, and that was on a couple of weeks ago. And then we're going to talk about the new premiere, Season 2, Episode 1 of Discovery. That's right. So the the short track was, um, as we have observed, completely different from all the other ones, right? They've all mm -hmm. been yes. unique and different in tonality. This one was, it was funny, but it wasn't goofball funny. You know, it mm -hmm. definitely had a very dark edge to it. Uh, and I thought they did an excellent job with all the callbacks to TOS in, in a delightful way that I totally wasn't expecting. Well, I, I loved it, too, and there were a couple little moments where I saw um, in Rain Wilson's performance a little bit of Roger C. Carmel, mm -hmm. which delighted me, mm -hmm. and I thought it was a very, very clever story. It really was. It, because it had me fooled right up until the big reveal. Me too. It, it just, it went right along. And uh, I, I loved the guy who was playing the Tellarite. He was so mm -hmm. good. Uh, he did a tremendous job of acting with all that makeup on his face. And mm -hmm. he had impeccable comic timing. It was just wonderful. The performance of the other people as the Starfleet crew members was also mm -hmm. really, really good. Every, I mean, how many people were in that? There were, there were like six 
actors in that total. Mm-hmm. And everybody was great. Everybody yes. was just a, a little gem in those roles that they had. It was so good. Um, so the question is, so I, I actually watched this with my brother when I was back in New Jersey. and, and we Oh, were just, fun? Yeah, we were just like, what? I can't believe it. It was so good. So we started arguing, not arguing, talking about, did this episode happen after iMud? This that was sort of my question, but my initial thing was, I didn't think of that. Mm. And so I was going, wait, so Harry knows how to make androids <laughs> all on his own without going to the android planet? And then when I was reading something, somebody brought up that it would appear to take place afterwards. Somehow mm-hmm. he got off the android planet and mm-hmm. took enough of their technology to clone androids of himself yeah and i'm going yeah that that is the only way this makes sense yeah i think so so there i i checked in the episode and i couldn't find any reference to when it was taking place Mm -hmm. Um, maybe another more eagle-eyed person than i could have spotted something you know when they were talking about um the klingon war and all that but it i mean certainly it was after that but they never actually Mm -hmm. said when it was happening so i think you could assume that it took place after i mud would have happened i did notice that one of the android harry muds was wearing the military jacket that he had yes I mean, that yes. was a lovely touch that was just that really, really good. was <laughs> it was so good it was yeah it was good and you know he directed that also did you know that yes i knew that and uh, uh, he did a, a wonderful job and it, it was a delightful short trek it was with it you was. know an interesting story and a great little twist at the end mm-hmm. and it was you know good. and and it was very much uh, a Harry Mud sort of caper, right? Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. That, that's the kind of thing that that he would do, and it it totally fit with his character. So I, I, yeah, I thought it was great, really good. Yes, yes, and you know what? I think I don't know, not at this point, but maybe now we're we're getting into discovery. But after maybe two more episodes, I'm going to really give up on trying to track the timeline because they're <laughs> fucking with it too much. <laughs> And that's where most of my note-taking came in was, uh-huh. you know, it, them saying this is pre-TOS. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the, the four short tracks, there was not a lemon in the bunch. Not at all. I think it is a great idea. It's a wonderful gift to the fans, um, especially, um, do you have to have CBS All Access to see it? I think See the you, short tracks? I think you do. Um mm. I oh, think, yeah. Yeah. And I think they added them. They just added them to Netflix in Europe, which is where uh, you have to see them. So because there isn't CBS All Access in Europe, all the stuff is on Netflix. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, to keep us, you know, sort of interested and involved and, mm-hmm. and not forget about it during the off time. I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Now, the next series of short tracks are going to be animated, apparently. Which oh. uh, and they're going to have the the real actors doing the voices, so I think that mm-hmm. could also be very interesting. I could you know see them exploring um, some visual stuff a little bit more. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. a different media to work in, but I I have full confidence that they could do it justice. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I wonder if those will be set in the Discovery world or in the world of these animated series. And I understand there's now 
at least two yeah um, uh, th- coming up yes I, I think I read that the short treks were going to continue to be with the discovery crew oh okay so but who knows right we'll just have to wait and see yeah it, it's very exciting I, I kind of can't believe that there's so much trek stuff happening right now um, oh it's it, it, my my mind is spinning over all the stuff <laughs> that it, you know is showing up in my in my trek feed yeah it's I, amazing I, it is amazing I, I had forgotten until this very moment that um, I have one before we dive into the discovery premiere I do have one more little tidbit to share so while I was sure. on the East Coast um, I was at an event with our good friend Marco Grand. Um, oh yes. yes and it was lovely to see him again and we had a nice little chat and we were there for other reasons but at one point I sidled up to him and I was like Mark hey can I ask you like one Star Trek question without you getting <laughs> mad at me I was like of course he's the nicest guy in the entire world so I was like okay just tell me did you work on Discovery and he looks at me and he kind of looks up and he looks and he goes how can I answer this? <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, if you can't say anything, it's fine. He's like, no, no, no. So he explained that for the first season of Discovery, the Klingon language consultant was someone that he approved. So it wasn't him, but it was someone mm-hmm. who, I don't want to say he trained them, but it was someone that he thought would be good. And he said they did an excellent job. He was really happy with it. But over the course of the season, there were some new words that needed to be invented. And mm-hmm. he did that. So all the new ah. Klingon words in season one of Discovery were from him. He, he came up with them. So wow. there's a, you'll, you haven't heard that anywhere else, but you heard it here first. Well, that's that's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think so. And then good, I, good interviewing and reporting there. <laughs> so then on I, the spot. <laughs> on the spot. I know. So then I said, what about season two? And he said, um, I can't say anything i was like okay that means yes and he just looked at me uh-huh. uh, but so he he can't officially speak to that but i think that means he's been more involved in season two so we'll just have to wow. wait to see what happens oh, cool. Cool. Uh, and he said he told me a funny story which was that he wasn't so he wasn't able to see any of the short treks because he was in europe until recently he was doing something there and so mm-hmm. he had been watching the Discovery the series on Netflix, and then they didn't upload the short trek. So as of like two weeks ago, he hadn't seen any of them. And so I was just reassuring him that they were awesome and that he would really mm-hmm. like them. And we both agreed that the best way to enjoy Discovery is to just throw out any kind of nitpicks about, is this in continuity and how is this going to reconcile with canon? Because that's really going to make you not enjoy it. And once, mm-hmm. once you get over that, it's great. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. Like, we are in agreement on that. So. Yep. It was good. So there you go. There's there's a little bit of inside information. Oh, well, that is wonderful. Thank you so much oh, yeah. for sharing that with us. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I felt good about it. And he is just the, the nicest man. It's so nice. Good. I'm glad you ran into him. Yeah. So uh, Discovery, right? There was a new episode. Mm-hmm. And I think we both watched Season it. premiere. Yes. Season premiere. And it was called Brother. Oh, brother. <laughs> I think it was pretty obvious who they meant when they were talking about brother. I that was, think that was so. not a surprise. Yeah. So there were so many things about this episode. Uh, I have a little list as well to talk about. Um, okay. Generally, I thought it was great. A lot of people were like, wow, this is really Star Trek. Like, yeah, it is really Star Trek. It was funny. It was like suspenseful. There was a lot of stuff mm-hmm. happening. There was big puzzles to be talking about. There was just a lot going on in that one episode. 
Right, and I was thinking as I watched it, as you said, it was there were funny parts. It had some lightheartedness to it. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is kind of like the difference between the Captain Pike pilot mm. and the one when Bill came on board, and he said, everybody needs to lighten up. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. and this was more in that mm-hmm. that feeling of yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. So here's an interesting thing that I didn't know until yesterday. After so I watched it and I, per your point before, I was like, when is this taking place in terms of the timeline? And then I had to go look it up. This episode of Discovery takes place after the events of the Cage. Did you know? Really? That? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what I well, said. Well, no, I just ran into something as I was trying to read with my blurry vision earlier that said something about. Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah. but it just said, um, it said something, these were the two years and it didn't quite click with me. Yeah. But now that you point out this is after the cage, wow, that opens a kettle of fish. It sure does. So this is after the Enterprise first, first Pike led five-year mission. So they went and they did all their stuff and they were far away. And that was why they weren't involved in the Klingon war and the stuff at the mm-hmm. cage happened. And then they came back. And so what struck me is... This pike that we see here is very different from the pike that we saw in the cage, right? Like, yes, this, this guy is far more Kirk-like. He's not Kirk, but he is confident and he has that, you know, let's get out there and explore kind of thing. He trusts his bridge mm-hmm. crew. He has a sense of humor. And that was not the guy we saw in the cage. So, no, was it the events of the cage that changed him? Or were there other things that happened along the way? Or... Shall I share my big theory? Oh, oh, please. Please do. He is also from the Mirror Universe. Oh, God. <laughs> where Mirror Universe Pike is, is a, a, you know, a lighthearted, fun guy to be with. Oh, they could. They could do that, couldn't they? <laughs> I've decided that the Mirror Universe is going to be the catch-all for everything <laughs> in Discovery. It is the reason anything... That makes us go, whoa, what happened? It's They're from the Mirror Universe. Mirror Universe. Just, yep. just get, get, get on with it. <laughs> How did they know about Tribbles before the trouble with Tribbles? Oh, Mirror Universe. That's it. Mirror That's Universe. It. Yes, and I just read some big, long explanation about Tilly and the Mirror Universe, and they were a Tribble and everything, but it's like, yeah, okay, sure. All right, just Mirror Universe. That's our explanation. Um, yeah. I, I also want to get out right up front that – Captain Pike's pants were extremely tight, and I appreciated that. <laughs> it's a fine Starfleet tradition. It really is, and I was very happy that when they dressed them, they didn't go with the sort of loose-fitting black pants that we saw in the movies, right? They were wearing black pants, but right, they weren't the same kind of black pants. Those are insulting to us, the fans. They are. So his <laughs> pants were extremely tight. Um, they, it, what, they weren't shiny like the original mm-hmm. series pants, as we know, that had that beautiful fabric that we got to mm-hmm. see up close and personal, but they were, in fact, tight pants. So that was good. I was like, oh. And then when he changed out of it into the, the Discovery uniform, I was a little bit sad. I was like, oh. Yeah. He's not yeah. in the colors anymore. But, um, but that was cool. So, uh, boy, so much happened. Uh, I think, you know, stuff happened, but there wasn't a lot of... Um, advancement of plot right the plot happened right at the end when they were like 
the red angel, this thing, Spock's having nightmares, and now we got to find mm-hmm. out where these seven signals are coming from that are going to destroy the whole galaxy. Okay, that's it. That's the but plot. That's good, you know, because um, we've seen in, you know, season one, this show has an arc. Mm-hmm. And so you got to kind of expect each season, even within the overall show arc, is going to have its own. Mm-hmm. So this is setting up where we're going this season. Mm-hmm. Yep, it, it was good. I liked that we got a little bit of time to get ourselves reacquainted with everybody and what they're mm-hmm. doing and how they're feeling. Um, pretty clear that even though Stamets took a... a, a transfer to the Vulcan Science Academy, he's not leaving. <laughs> no, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> so that was a bit of a false move right there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, there were quite a few little Easter eggs that were in there. Um, mm-hmm. I loved when Stamets said that he knows an ethnobotanist on the Enterprise. Uh-huh. I was like, that's Sulu! That's who he's talking about! He's got to be talking about Sulu! It's like, oh my god. I, there were just so many things that, you know, there's some fan service that I can definitely get on board with, and those kinds of things make me very happy. <laughs> well, there was one thing that was like a, a, a twist that just made me laugh so hard. When um, Pike and Burnham and what's his name, McConnell, the guy uh, right. who came over with Pike, yeah. are heading to these weird little pods that they're going to fly he goes, you, red shirt, come with me. And I went, oh, you're going to die, baby. And then he didn't. A blue shirt died. So in my opinion, um, that was the only thing that, I mean, it didn't bother me exactly. But you knew that that guy was going to die, Connolly, right? He because- Well, I didn't. I guess I'm, I'm super. I was like, oh, we're, we're keeping up that tradition of uh, kill off the red <laughs> I thought so too, and I think that was a little bit of misdirection on their part intentionally. Yes. But, you know, he was sort of the epitome of the um, smug white guy. Let yeah, me he was a jerk. Everything. He was a total jerk, and it, it felt very symbolic in a way. Uh-huh. That they just killed him. They killed him in the middle of his mansplaining rant about how he doesn't I like know. to listen to women. I know, and when women. I saw that as a, as a tagline on an uh, an article, I think I sent you, I was like, oh yeah, they really did. There he is explaining why I know it all, and this is easy, and bam! Yeah, that's I was like, it. oh, hooray, hooray. They, they, <laughs> yep, they totally murdered him. So I, I did get some good schadenfreude out of that, but maybe, maybe it was a little too on the nose. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, so, he was, was a jerk. He had to go. He was a jerk. He had to go. That wasn't yeah. wasn't a problem. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that was that was pretty interesting. Um, I have to say that um, little boy Spock is um, a little bastard, and I felt no sympathy for him whatsoever. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> and here's another thing. So he's up in his room mm-hmm. making these little things, and then. Later, I, I, if, if it's in the voiceover near the end or something, it finally struck me. He said, I had nightmares, and my mother had me take up drawing. And I was going, no, she didn't, because 
We saw no evidence of this. His thing in TOS was music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Because he, he, he had his lyre, which was, in fact, on the wall of his quarters. I spotted it there. Yes, it was, but so were the Vulcan wedding bells. I know. I saw that, too. And I was like, oh, I well, like, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. 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 And, and my guess... I don't know. He hadn't gotten into the whorehouse motif yet. <laughs> well, it was red. At least the color yeah, was consistent. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm going, hmm, drawing? Really? Stock? I don't know. I, I was also really surprised when when Sarek comes up there with Burnham and he has to call his name twice. Like, that just oh. jarred me. I was like, really? I, mm, I don't know. That, that that Spock was very, very human, that little twerpy Spock. Yeah, he was. He really yeah. was. Um, I, I got to say, I, I'm still, I'm going to keep complaining about Sarek because. <laughs> oh. As I call him, Phil Dunphy Sarek. Yes, Phil Dunphy Sarek. You know, I, I liked some of his stuff in this episode. Um, of course, I was shouting at the screen when he came on. It's like, are you still on board with that Klingon genocide, Sarek? Still haven't explained yeah. that. Um, there was that. But he's still, to me, too emotional and not contained enough. You know, and maybe that's a thing that he got more of as he got a little bit older. So by the time we see him in journey to Babel, you know, Mm. he is really Sarek. But in this, it especially struck me in this one thing that the actor did, James Frain, when he was leaving Burnham's quarters and he's talking to her and he kind of walks out and then he comes back in. And as he was saying something, he made a very big gesture with his hand to kind of punctuate what he was saying. Mm -hmm. He kind of like threw his hand out, which would be totally normal for a human person to do. Yeah. But for a Vulcan, I mean, Vulcans don't do that. They don't gesture when they talk. That's Well, this is the thing. And, you know, Mark Leonard and Leonard Nimoy set the bar so high Mm -hmm. on how to, to portray these things. But especially Mark Leonard had such an air of authority isn't quite the word, but there was a, a... I don't mean fat. I mean weightiness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse, excuse me. To him, you know um, yeah. that that this guy just—he's Phil Dunphy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I agree. I totally agree that there was a that there was a huge depth in him, and yes, you know, you kind of felt the weight of Vulcan behind him, and and I'm just not getting that from this guy. So. Right. I I'm sorry. I you know he's probably doing a fine job, and I'm being overly critical, but that's how I feel about it. Well, of the, I'm trying to think, of the TOS characters we've seen so far, there's him and Harry Mud, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't seen any other TOS characters. Um, aside from Pike. Right, but I w- but I meant like up. At, uh, okay, I was talking about last season. Oh, oh and, okay. Um, Rain Wilson, I think, is doing a wonderful job because he is doing his Harry Pike, Harry Pike, Harry Mud, <laughs> but it's still Harry Mud. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, this guy is just not hitting it. Mm. I I hope that there's something to like. He's going to have some kind of arc that makes him, in the end, be more like the Sarek that we knew mm-hmm. from TOS. That would be good if they would show that. I don't know what that could be, but, but maybe that could happen. If, if they're expecting us to invest in snot-nosed Spock becoming the Spock <laughs> we see, they can't expect us 
to follow Sarek's arc. Mm. And don't they even, of course, they don't care that much about this, but in uh, the episode where Spock's parents come on board, isn't there some, somebody says something, maybe it's Spock or Amanda, they haven't seen each other in years. Yes, yes. So, so Phil Dunphy and Snotnose Spock cannot interact or should not interact in discovery. Yeah, exactly. I, they can't. They can't possibly do it. So I think the way it was left at the end of that episode was that they were going to be dropping Sarek off uh, somewhere. In the uh, nearest black hole. In the nearest black <laughs> hole. They were going to drop him off. So I think he's gone and he probably okay. won't come back and interact with Spock. One would hope not anyway. Right. Um, so I guess there was a little coming attraction at the end of the episode and we saw Spock... Uh, being held in some sort of, I don't know, mental institution or jail mm-hmm. or something. And then something. He, was, he was like uh, high karateing his way out of there, which seemed <laughs> a little anti-Spock to me. But whatever. Like we'll watch That really things. threw me because, I mean, you and I know this, probably not everybody is as deeply into fandom, but the Vulcan mind pinch came around because they wanted... Nimoy to to punch somebody and he mm-hmm. said that doesn't seem like something Spock would do. Yeah. So maybe this is part of his arc too, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll uh, see. They, so- they might be going too far with non-Spock. Mm. The big know? question is though, is he going to be shouty Spock as he was in the cage? Mm-hmm. And even well, the in- cage took place before <laughs> this. This is right. The women. <laughs> Yeah, but even in the beginning of TOS. Oh, that's true. He is still shouty. Yeah, in We're No Man, he was still pretty shouty. Not as shouty, but still shouty. So That's true. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Um, yeah. I, I thought that, you know, one thing I really, really liked was when Pike is on the bridge and he goes around and he kind of does roll call for everybody on the mm-hmm. bridge. That was super good because it felt like, they're really acknowledging that this is supposed to be an ensemble thing mm-hmm. and you got to see everybody's personality. Like they were all given some little things to do yep. during the, the crucial sequence where they were going down to the asteroid and all that. And I felt like that was deserved. And I hope that they continue to do more of that because it was great. It really felt like the ship, right? Like it we know did. them now. Yeah, that was really good. And I was thinking, you know, this whole thing of, oh, well, the Enterprise is out of gas or something. Somebody's coming, blah, 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 blah. Um, I thought, you know, I bet that all came on, you know, filling in, spackling here. But I bet that all came up so suddenly he did not really have time to review the crew roster. Mm -hmm. Or even if he did, it would help to put names to faces. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that that was a good thing. And he, he has that thing, like Kirk had, that... He's comfortable with command. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He knows how to handle it without shouting and pounding his fist and all this crap, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, he was good. And he trusted his, his bridge crew to do what they mm-hmm. were going to do. It was really, yep. you know, it was funny and good that he said to the navigator, fly good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. But it was much. like he was going to give an order to everybody yeah. and you Fly good. Fly good, yeah. It was awesome. And she smiled when he that said that. That was almost so, a Doctor Who it to was. me. <laughs> it really was. But I loved it, and I thought it was great. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, everybody was, was really, really good. And I, I really like getting to know the bridge crew also because they all seem yes. 
super interesting. I love having two women at the helm. It's just mm-hmm. awesome. And a dude at the comms, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah this is cool. And they all, and, and what Burnham said too, um, when he was, Pike was sort of not questioning her exactly, but, you know, thinking that maybe that they intended to leave some people behind. And she was like, there is not one person on this bridge that would ever leave someone behind. And mm-hmm. you, there was a quick reaction shots from the rest of the bridge crew. And they were like, yeah, buddy, you better believe we're not yep. going to leave somebody yep. behind. That was awesome. They all felt very united. And that was mm-hmm. great. It reminded me of some of the best moments of TOS where you That's saw right. the bridge crew really united. Like, you know, when they decide that they're not going to follow um, uh, Decker's orders, right? Right. They all yeah. just like, in unison, they decide that they're not going to do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was really, really good. I loved it. Yep. They, uh, one thing regarding the crew, though, I think they went a little too far with their lighten up was mm. when um, Burnham and the captain and, well, anyway, they're down in that mm-hmm. that thing where there's, you know, a makeshift medical quarters, mm-hmm. I guess. And, and Burnham says, are we okay up there? And the two <laughs> look at each other and go, uh, yeah. And I thought, wait, wait, are you guys straight out of the academy? Yeah. I don't think so, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, I it was a little bit over the top. It was it felt like um that scene was so fraught with tension. It was mm-hmm. almost like a little bit of hysteria slapped on top of it and in yeah. the moment I was like, "Oh, that's okay. I can I can sort of accept it." But yeah, you're right. It was probably a little too much. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I feel like we're off to a good start. Me too. Um, I will tell you a couple things that I had to look. Well, one of them I knew, and I was so proud of myself for getting this right. Um, okay. So when Pike and Burnham are talking, and he was talking about what an awesome dude Spock is, and saying, "Oh, he asks the best questions," and mm-hmm. like that, and then he says, "You know, um, lo- he Spock would always say that logic is the beginning of wisdom and not the end," and I was like. That's a quote from a Star Trek movie. and I Oh, to... yeah, I picked that up. Yeah, so that was good. And I'm, I was like, mm-hmm. how nice that they, they brought that in. And I yeah. was very happy with myself for recognizing it. So that was But cool. that's something I don't feel like Spock would say at that point. I kind of feel like the total arc of Spock through TOS mm-hmm. right through the movies was leading to that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. So I'm curious to see. Maybe he's just saying something he learned, but he didn't really learn the full meaning right. of it until... 50 years later or whatever. Yeah, he didn't really understand it. So, yeah, that, that would be an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Um, the <laughs> So, they're in the elevator, the elevator, the turbo lift, excuse me. Right. It's elevator. They're in the elevator. And um, they're there with the alien guy um, who sneezes all over Connolly. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So I, I had like to look, that. I had to look that guy up. He was a Saurian like from the place where you get Kirk's favorite. Where you make brandy. Where they make brandy. <laughs> He's one of the guys wow. that makes the brandy. So he may be his, the ship's brandy maker. I don't know. <laughs> cool. But that's who he was. He was a Saurian. And I liked that Burnham was able to talk to him and understand what he was saying in his own language. Mm-hmm. That was also kind of cool. Yeah. You know, one place where they needed a little reaction mm-hmm. was when uh, Burnham introduces herself to Pike and says, I'm Michael Burnham. She is the most famous traitor. <laughs> I mean, it should have been like, the, really? Mm-hmm. They let you run around on the ship? And, you know. yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe he maybe he got all briefed on that. Um, maybe so. Maybe, maybe he's too cool to show a reaction. 
So here's a thing which I understand through media is going to be answered in a, a novelization that's coming out later this year. Or oh, I'm not months. reading a novelization, I'm not reading it either. so tell I'm, me. <laughs> so Pike says to Burnham um, that the reason that they haven't been around is because they were out exploring, you know, um, doing their uh, – exploring strange new worlds essentially and they were too far away and Starfleet didn't want to call them back and then they came back and they had already missed the Klingon war and that was over so I wonder whether that's really the reason or there was some other reason why Starfleet didn't want the Enterprise to come back for the Klingon war because it seems to me that they wanted everybody there for the Klingon war you know like it was pretty dire for a while and ships were getting blown up and shit as like wouldn't you want didn't somebody say that they they didn't want to put the one ship at risk or something? Am I'm not I, did sure. Did I dream that? I felt like he was saying they were just too far away. Mm. But uh, I don't know. Really? That far away? Uh, I don't know. It, yeah. it seemed kind of weird. So maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it seemed like maybe that's some kind of plot point at something in the future. Like there was a reason that the Enterprise was left <laughs> doing their exploration rather than coming back. Yeah. So, I don't know. I could Hmm. be wrong. Well, we shall see. Yeah. I'm sure we'll hear about it, even if we don't read the book. No, I'm not (laughs) going to read the book. I don't have time to read novelizations of things that are happening on Discovery. No, me neither. Yeah. Um, Okay. Hey, um, why don't we take a little tiny break? Okay. um, Then come back because there's just a lot more stuff to talk about. Okay. All right, very good. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. So Discovery is good. It's a good Star Trek show, and I like it. So um, I just wanted to say that and put that out there. I know it's, yes. it's like a controversial opinion, but I got to say For, it. Among some people, yeah, but um, I was looking forward to it. I was happy to see it back on. I enjoyed it. So, yeah, yeah I agree with you. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to what's coming up. Me too. Yes. So there's a couple of things that we wanted to hit on here. Um, here is an article from uh, Vox.com. And it mm-hmm. has a little bit to say about uh, Burnham's relationship with Spock. So I'm going to read a little bit of this, and then um, we have some thoughts to add to it also. Okay. It says, the episode Brother doesn't provide any conclusive proof that this season won't do it, that is, to um, go all in on Spock's character. Um, mm-hmm. We hear an audio recording that Spock made at one point, and w- when there's an actor hired to provide a famous character's voice, there's often an actor hired to provide his face as well. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not have Spock around at all, all things considered. Me too, but... I agree with that. Uh, yes. Having Michael be related to Spock was always going to lead on this point. It was inevitable that they'd have an actor. Too much money would be left on the table without another riff on Spock. 
Um, this author says, what keeps me from rolling my eyes at this choice, or rolling them too hard at least, is the way the show approaches Spock, which is as a, fi a figure from Michael's past who has unfinished business with her. There was some sort of falling out between the two. The premiere teases this, but never spells out what happened. But the real revelation Michael has in Brother is that when she came to live with Spock's family, his parents perhaps didn't think through just how having this human child around would affect him. This is the right approach in bringing fan-favorite characters into a new work like this. Their relationships to the story have to be connected to their relationships to the new characters, or else the new work runs the risk of spiraling into an endless vortex of pointless fan service. I don't know that I terribly need to see another story about Spock, much less watch a third actor play the guy. But if Discovery uses Spock to teach me more about Michael Burnham, I'm more interested. So I totally agree with that. I am mm -hmm. really glad that they're keeping, at least in this episode, the focus was really still on Burnham and on Saru yep. and on Stamets and on Tilly, like the characters that we all know and love. Mm -hmm. You know, they introduced Pike, but he came in as an outsider and mm -hmm. he wasn't the same guy as we saw in the cage. So that was refreshing. And he made a real effort to integrate himself into the Discovery crew rather than making a, them adapt to him, which I thought was good, too. Yes, yes. So, he wasn't uh, a jerk. He wasn't a jerk. So I really hope that as they go forward with Spock that he isn't that he isn't the Spock that we knew and loved from TOS because he shouldn't be that guy yet, right? Yeah, and he should not be the focus yeah. You know, he should be the MacGuffin. Yes, exactly. Michael is the focus. That is exactly, yes, that's what I yeah. was going to say. So let's hope that they do it and that he doesn't get too much screen time. And, you know, maybe this is it. Like, he'll be in season two and then we won't see him again. He'll go yes. off with Pike and they'll go do their other thing. And I think that would be a great way to wrap things up is mm -hmm. to just say, we visited this character. We're done with it. We don't need to have him show up. Yeah, he and Pike go back to the Enterprise and... Off they go. Yeah. Um, a couple things, questions, I guess, that I would like to see answered. One, the one that really occurs to me is why was she adopted by Sarek and Amanda? Mm -hmm. and I don't think they've ever covered that. Why was a human child adopted by Sarek and Amanda? Yeah. And if it was something like that... Um, Amanda and her mother were very good friends. Anything mm. like that. But in that case, maybe Michael would have met them before. But that's like a huge hole to me, is to, yeah. to not explain that. And honestly, the relationship between Michael and Spock, to me, would be so much more acceptable if she was not an adopted sister. Mm -hmm. If, um, I don't know, if they had met at the academy, the Vulcan Academy, you know, that she mm -hmm. went there to study and had some big falling out or anything. But this making her part of the family, first of all, brought in so much Sarek, who we don't like. <laughs> but also, it's just another sibling Spock hasn't told us about. Yeah, I know. They're like, come on, stop. Just yeah. stop. There's too many branches here. So I'm trying to remember, I think they said or they showed that when the colony was destroyed where Burnham was, Sarek actually found her. He was the one who found her and established some kind of mental link with her right from the beginning. I think that was how he found her, in fact, was that like he sort of mm. tapped into her consciousness because she was hiding under some rubble or something. So 
my impression was that the reason he adopted her was because he he had forged this link with her and he felt Mm. like they had this closeness and that that would help her heal from the trauma and you know he did have a human wife and so now we find out that Sarek had another ulterior motive which was that he wanted to uh, humanize Spock or something why? Which, I gotta say, is not a good reason for adopting another child. I Like, that seems really suspect to me. Like, I'm bringing you on board so that you can make my child better. Okay, so why would he want to humanize Spock? The Sarek we know was so upset that Spock did not go to Vulcan Science Academy and chose to enter Starfleet and hang out with humans. Well, exactly. I mean... You know, Sarek's chosen profession is as an ambassador, as a diplomat, and he seems mm-hmm. to be very good at that sort of thing, right? Like when we see mm-hmm. him in TOS, he's sort of viewed as the the fixer. He comes in and he does stuff that other people can't because he's so skilled mm-hmm. in negotiation and he's got all this authority and people really look up to him. So he he needs to be able to, to deal with other species and understand people. But that was never what he thought Spock was going to do. And he never thought that Spock was going to join Starfleet Academy. So mm-hmm. why would he need to, to do that? His Spock's purpose in life was not to be, you know, the, the hybrid that was going to uh, bring peace to Starfleet or whatever, you know? That, well, that and if a, anything from, I don't know, maybe I've just always assumed this, that, Growing up on Vulcan and everything, he has tried so hard to play down the half-human thing. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't quite get that. It's weird. Well, and okay, even with the mental link and everything, it smacks too much of finding a kitten and bringing it home. Yeah, it does. Because it... I don't want to say I think Starfleet and the Federation is very authoritarian, but it certainly is a socialist or leaning very hard towards socialist um, civilization. And so I think they would kind of look, uh, I don't know, maybe she should be with people, I mean, you know, humans. <laughs> yeah, you'd think that there would be, you know, um, some relative somewhere that right. they would want to. I mean, you know, I, I, I have been... Um, observing a lot of the discourse around adoption right and Mm -hmm. most people who are adoptees as happy as they were that they were adopted um really feel like you shouldn't adopt children across certain lines like racially or transculturally like if, Mm -hmm. if there is any hope of resources or people in that person's own culture who could Mm -hmm. have them, who could raise them, that's where that kid needs to be. And, like, did Starfleet try? (laughs) Did they even try? Or or whatever Federation services and organizations are out there, you know. There have to be some social workers. You you can't say, I want to adopt this child and bring her home because I think it'd be good for my other kid. Yeah, that's just like... Yeah. No, that's not okay. So, I don't know. I I feel like this Sarek, we've seen him make some really questionable choices, and I get that he has to be shown not to be perfect and all that. But 
there's just a lot of stuff piling up that's making me sort of uncomfortable with his character and mm-hmm. maybe that's part of the arc and maybe you know something will happen later on but i don't think that that is defensible and neither is the klingon genocide so there yeah absolutely <laughs> okay anyway um you wanted to talk about fortune cookies well yeah um at one point when they're in the captain's quarters and i loved when uh Pike was saying, doesn't anybody sit down around here? Where are the chairs? You know, I thought, pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh But, you know, he's got this fortune cookie. He doesn't even bother to look at it. It says this thing about not every cage is a prison and something, something. Uh And, um, you know, this got everybody, oh, is this a, you know, a a reference to the cage or what is it and everything. And then I read this article and went on and on all this stuff I'd forgotten. (laughs) That, um, first of all, Lorca had a big dish of fortune cookies on yep. his desk. I remembered that his, part of it, yeah. I didn't remember that, and his family was in the fortune cookie I, business. I didn't and, remember that part of it. <laughs> I was like, really? What? So, oh, but uh, still, do you have any theories on this? I don't know. I thought it was really weird because I'm like, come on, really? So Lorca's been gone for a while. Like, mm-hmm. I know it hasn't been like years or anything, but he's been gone. If if the ship's cleaners didn't pick up that fortune cookie scrap that was on the mm-hmm. floor, somebody should have been fired for that, honestly. I mean, <laughs> is that know, a firing offense? I think it is. It's at least a disciplinary action offense. It's like, yeah. come on, it was a piece of paper on the floor. You know, your your um whatever they use to clean the floor, the space vacuum should have gotten that up. <laughs> The, the space Roomba. The space Roomba should have gotten that up. Exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah, there was that. I mean, I kind of get why they did it. It was very symbolic, but it seemed a little clumsy to me. Like, oh, yeah, there's just this scrap of paper on the floor where no one would see it. It's like, everybody Reminding sees it. Reminding us of it's Lorca. Like, yes. Yeah. Well, you see, it didn't remind me of Lorca. <laughs> no. It just made me think, wow, they did a shitty job cleaning that room. That's all yeah. I think about. <laughs> So I want to know, when they redo the captain's ready room, uh, mm-hmm. is it going to look like Picard's ready room? Is it going to look like, you know, the CEO's office? I hope they don't put any fish in there. Well, Kirk never even had a ready room. He didn't, or at least not one that we saw. It's possible that well, there was one, and they just never showed it. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. he seemed to have most of his conferences either... In his quarters, mm-hmm. in a conference room, or in the turbo lift. <laughs> yeah, I think the turbo lift was actually his ready room. This is the. Captain. I think so. Look, let's just step into the turbo lift. We'll go down a few floors. We'll come up a few floors, and it'll all be straightened. It, out. We'll all have it. We'll have it sorted out by then. Yeah. Yes. It really made me think, though, about Picard's office, and mm-hmm. you know, it, his office. See, I'm calling it his office because it really was. You know, as it, it's so true that. TNG in the early years, especially, mm-hmm. was so corporate, right? Like, their, oh, it really their, was. Their conference room was like, you know, the big room at Cisco where everybody went to have their conferences, <laughs> and Picard's ready room was like, you know, it's the boss's office where you the have corner to go office, the corner <laughs> office, yeah, where you go in and he's sitting behind his desk, and it's like, oh, can I get you something to drink? It's like, yes, yes. Okay, can we just cut it? What do you have to say to me? Are you going to yell at mm-hmm. me? Or are you going to tell me something good? That's the only two things yep. that happen in this room. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out. Oh, I have one other thing to to bring up. And this has bugged me since the first time they did it. Uh-huh. 
that they call the ship Disco. They did call the ship Disco. Yes, they did. And I'm going, but that's, we'd never seen ships having nicknames before, and that's a stupid nickname <laughs> and kind of a deliberate you know, hark back to, I don't know, when we were young and, and hip and going to discos. But I'm going, they never call the Enterprise the Enter. <laughs> well, the Intrepid is the Intra. The Intra, yeah. You know, it's like, why? Um, I think the only reason they did it was, do you remember last season when they were showing Burnham and Tilly were, were like having a workout and they were wearing like their gym shirts that said disco mm-hmm. on them? Mm-hmm. Maybe that was it. It was like some kind of joke. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, they did call it disco. It's true. I hate that. I mm. really hate that. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they're going to continue to do it. Mm. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, when they showed them having a party and it was like a disco, it do you was remember that like from last disco, season? I, I was thinking maybe this whole thing takes place because they're all at a disco. <laughs> And high on these drugs, they think they're on a starship, starship, but they're actually not. Oh, that would be very funny. And the name of the disco is Discovery. <laughs> oh, that would be good. Um, mm, yes. It, so in the, the little uh, tag at the end where we got to see some coming attractions, looks like everybody's going to be back. All of our main characters from last season are going to be back. So... Mm-hmm. Um, the Klingons look different, and I guess there's going to be some explanation for why that's happening. I hope mm-hmm. and that they don't just do it. And we're going to get to see fashion. More of, <laughs> maybe, maybe just fashion. We'll get to see more of, of Giorgio, although, as we understand, she's going to be getting her own series at some point. Yes. So the thing about the series that they're going to do for Section 31 is I really, really, really hope it's not real serious and grim, dark, and, you know just impossibly intricate as far as political machinations and stuff because mm. I don't think that would be enjoyable I really don't you know I, I liked yeah. her when we saw her being her mirror universe self and she was sort of mm-hmm. this like swashbuckling um you know pirate character yeah. almost, and that was that was really fun and I enjoyed that and she seemed to really be enjoying herself doing it like who wouldn't right lots of scenery mm-hmm. to do there so I hope it's more like that where she's just being outrageous and people are reacting to her rather than having her get like all serious and plotty and uh, I don't know. I wouldn't like yeah, that. Yeah, and if it turns out Section 31 is actually sort of anti-Federation, mm-hmm. you know, like working against them and it's, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just have to wait and see. I don't think that that new series is going to be starting for quite a while. They've got so much else in the pipeline right now. Yeah, I heard uh, something that I ran across just today, just a little blurb saying that wouldn't start for at least two years. Yeah, I mean, they're filming now for this season of Discovery, and then mm-hmm. they'll have to have some time off, and there's just a, there's a lot to line up to get that to yep. happen. But, yep. but good call for having a series with her, because she's... Awesome, <laughs> she is. Yeah, oh, that would be good. Um, what else did I want to say about Discovery? Um, I think it's going to be interesting, um, to see how they bring Culber back because I noticed that his name was in the credits, like upfront credits, not as a guest yeah. star. So yeah, I can't imagine it's all going to be flashbacks. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, like like they did in the premiere where they right. had a little clip right. of him. 
So I don't know. Yeah, and Stamets is going to stay, and the spore drive is going to come back because we saw that happening. So you know, <laughs> like, why do you even bother saying like, oh, I there's know. not going to be a spore drive, and then the coming attractions are like, oh look, there's the spore drive, and we're using mm-hmm. it like normal. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, I was racking my brain trying to think of anything in TOS that this could have been tied to. The, so the the whole thing about the um, whatever the asteroid was made of is some kind of new power source, and then mm-hmm. you know this this thing with the the energy signatures and it, the red angel and all that. And I so I'm kind of torn. Like, is this going to be a completely new thing, or is it going to be tied to something that we saw before in TOS? I think it could go either way. It could. Red Angel, for some reason, smacks to me of um, Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. the modern one. You yeah. know, because they tried to tie a lot of mythology yeah. into that. At least in the beginning, there was a lot, and then it kind of dribbled off to not so much. Mm-hmm. But um, so I'm thinking that somehow uh, the seven lights and everything that Spock somehow involved with that. And uh, that's really like all I've come up with. Yeah. And, you know, it's, they're relying very heavily on Vulcans being super psychics. Yeah. You know, if Spock's been having dreams his whole life about the Red Angel, and it turns mm-hmm. out to be this huge threat to, to all of the galaxy or something, and then we've got Sarek, who can, pro, you know, project his image across yeah. <laughs> time, space, and wherever the hell he wants. This I is know. Like, wow, those are pretty big things we never, never saw before. Never saw before. No, never saw. So, yeah, let's stop giving all the magic powers to the Vulcans, because mm-hmm. they're not yep. actually high elves from Middle Earth. They're just another <laughs> species. As much as you want them to be, they're not actually yep. that thing. Yep. So it would be good. I I hope, you know, it would be really good to see Spock as a character here, uh, as we've just said, like being an ancillary character, right? He's not the the main focus of things. So number one, that, but also to see him being wrong and to, Mm -hmm. to see him getting taken down and to not be the magic guy who knows everything and is on top of everything and intuits everything correctly I, it would be mm-hmm. really boring if that's the kind of character yeah. he turns out to be because he wasn't that then that was the good thing about him in tos was that he wasn't perfect you know they- well you know bill said something really interesting once um in discussing this is he said well you know they had this super powerful ship so whenever they got in trouble one of the things the writers had to do was find a way to disable the ship mm-hmm. or at least the part of it that could have completely saved them. And he said, but, you know, by season two, it was disabled the Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They had to because otherwise, yeah. yeah, he would have been too perfect and too competent and too everything else. And then you're not mm-hmm. interesting anymore. Yep. So let's hope that they bear that in mind. That yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Let's hope for that. Yeah. Now here's a couple of um, just minor things. So they rescued the Hiawatha and they took the ship's engineer on board. Do they now have two ships engineers on Discovery? What happens there? I don't know. Because she's on the ship and and she mm-hmm. is, is like gonna be in the cast. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I liked her very much. I like her as a comedian, Tignatar. I think she's very funny. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, th- I would have no problem with them having two ship's engineers. The problem is going to become if they're like co-chief engineers. No, yeah. no. One of them has to to really be the the chief engineer and the other one handles the, the swing shift or right. something. I was going to you know. say, you're the chief engineer on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 
And your yes. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then Sundays we both have off and we let somebody else take over. <laughs> and um, nobody takes care of it. That's right. Just leave it. So then that brings up the other thing. You know, Pike was like, what did he say? He said it's going to be like having joint custody. Like, how is that going to work? Who has authority <laughs> on the ship now? I'm very mm-hmm. unclear about that. Yeah. Is it Saru? He's still acting captain, right? Isn't that what And Pike it was said? like... Why was Pike's mission now accomplished? I don't know. Because I, I thought his mission was to go after these seven lights. Right. Like, it, the mission wasn't to rescue the Hiawatha. That just happened like, mm-hmm. as, as a thing that happened along the yeah. way. So I am a little unclear about who's in charge and who gets to be the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they'll explain it. <laughs> maybe so. Or maybe they'll just skip over it and keep going along. And... I, that would be fine, too. It doesn't matter. We're just going to keep watching it. But That's true. <laughs> yeah. No matter what happens, we're just going to keep watching it. Well, anyway, I, I hope all of you out there um, liked it, or, or at least you watched it and you have thoughts about it. Um, please let us know in the comments on Facebook or um, mm-hmm. at the, the blog whether you uh, liked it or had questions or whatever. And if you have answers to some of the things that we've raised, we would really like to know about it. Yes, your your theories, where you think this is going, yeah. what you think the co- fortune cookie means or represents Uh and you know sometimes a fortune cookie is just a fortune cookie (laughs) it's just a fortune cookie and the cleaning crew did a really shitty job that's all (laughs) that it means now um, i'd like to close this episode if i may yes um, with With a a, song no not with a song but with a, a funny tweet from our good friend william shatner the actor yes because this really made me laugh uh mm-hmm. he's been holding back on arguing with people on twitter lately which is like good move oh really oh, okay yeah. <laughs> i think he's been busy doing stuff oh and i oh, forgot good. to mention um as an aside he is going to be at ticonderoga in june this year so oh, really? i think he's doing that as a regular deal now he's going there like once or twice wow. a year and probably will keep doing it so that that could bode well for us at some mm. point maybe yeah okay um okay so someone tweets to him it says mr shatner I have seen many pictures of you and movies, TV shows. I have even met you. When I met you, I was too nervous to look. I cannot tell what color your eyes are. Are they hazel brown? Please tell. So I thought that was interesting given the enormous amount of fan fiction that is like obsessed with Kirk's eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Bill responds, um, depends on the day. Some days brown because, putting my hand to my forehead as in a salute, I'm full of shit up to there. <laughs> but then he responds, they're usually grayish hazel. So there you have it. From Bill's hmm. mouth himself, he has hazel That's eyes. That's right. And he did not, not lie in not eyes. Lie. <laughs> See, if he had you and me as consultants on his Twitter feed, first of all, he wouldn't fight with as many people. But secondly, he would have these great answers. Oh, man. It just, that's all I could think about as I was reading mm-hmm. it. It's like, oh, my God. So, anyway, he's confirmed it. So, anybody out there who's writing fan fiction about J- Captain James T. Kirk, his eyes are hazel. They are grayish hazel. Please do not call them green. They are not green. They are not brown. They are not blue. <laughs> they are not any of those things. They are grayish hazel. That's what Bill says. That's right. 
and he ought to know they're his eyes. They are his eyes, and he has to look at himself every day. Although it would be nice to get close enough to actually look and see. That would be good. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been close enough a couple times and didn't even think to look. I was so, (laughs) you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it would take a lot of composure to, like, look him straight in the eye and kind of focus on his eye color. And I also think if Mm -hmm. you did that, he would look at you like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard to look straight at somebody's (laughs) eyes without them catching on you know i mean try to be subtle about it i yeah it would be very hard and and i think he would be calling security because it would be it would be a little yeah oh my goodness all right well that is our show for right now so much but there's so much more to talk about there will be another discovery coming soon there's other star trek things that are happening um bill's doing stuff all the time of course because of course he's always doing a million things so, yes, listeners, please let us know on Facebook um, what you thought about Disco, <laughs> uh, what your thoughts are on what's going to happen. Did you like Pike? Did you like the uniforms? I actually quite like the TOS uniforms. I thought yes, they were yes, pretty yes. good. Yeah, pretty nice. Very bright. And, oh, did you also catch in the, um, the coming attractions when Burnham was on a planet or something? She was wearing a little skirt with, with like, you know, pants underneath it, but still. No, I didn't catch yeah, that. She was. Mm. Yeah, so. Wow. Like a, a skirt mm. over pants, which <clears throat> seemed very practical to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, um, thank you, everybody, for listening, as always. We appreciate it. We love your comments. We love our little Facebook community, and um, we love getting mail from you. So if you've got things to let us know about, please let us know. And, gosh, it's January, and it's going to be um, – you know, the big event, Bill's birthday and Leonard's birthday coming up in March, not too far That's away. right. Yeah. Okay, if we're really at the end, I have one little thing I want to do. Oh, please. Okay, this is, this is the end. We'll cut off right after this. Okay. This episode of Look at His Butt <laughs> was brought to you by the Cheese Castle. <laughs> now, you go over there and have some really fine cheese. <laughs> <laughs>